Welcome to this common sacred space. Common because we're all welcome. Sacred because here we transform the ordinary and attend to the profound. We carry with us our regrets, our doubts, our fears, our stories, our laughter. May they inspire our worship. And above all, may we each meet what we most need to find on this day in this common sacred space. For in a world beset by troubles that seem eternal and insoluble, sometimes the only thing we can do is be still for a moment and remind ourselves what is real. The sun that rose again this morning, the dirt beneath our feet, the air whispering in and out of our lungs. This hour, try just to be present in each moment as it unfolds. For your simple attention is what makes these moments holy. These words by Amy Mackenzie Quinn and Eleanor Restbrook, they welcome all those who have gathered here on Zoom this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to any friends and visitors who are with us today. Also welcome to those who might be listening in sometime in the future via the podcast or watching on our YouTube channel. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I've been part of the congregation for 22 odd years now. I'm currently our ministry coordinator and also I'm a ministry student finishing up my training with Unitarian College over the summer. This morning's service is on the theme of being bored it's a hard sell, a quirky topic that was suggested by uh, John in, in one of our coffee mornings a few months ago. And I'll be stitching together some contributions from members of the congregation, John himself, John Humphreys, Maria Patenga Wallace and Liz Tuckwell. Reflections which explore the experience of being bored and perhaps some of the ways in which it might be good for us to have a bit of boredom now and then. Before we go any further though, let's take a moment to make sure we're fully arrived. Do what you need to do to settle in. You might want to wiggle and stretch. You might want to scrunch up your shoulders and let them go. Perhaps you'll take a conscious breath. Set aside anything you don't need to be hanging on to for the next hour or so. Feel free, as we've said before, to turn your camera off if that helps you to focus. Of course, we like to see all your lovely faces, but lurking is permitted. There will be various opportunities to join in as we go, but they're all optional. Whoever you are, however you are, you're welcome in this space just as you are. We're going to light our chalice now as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather during the week. This is a simple ritual which connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive historic tradition of which this gathering is part. We light this chalice, symbol of our purpose to bring more love and justice into the world. We light this chalice, knowing our congregation as a church dispersed across communities, not bound by walls, but connected through the web of life. So let's take all those joys and concerns spoken and unspoken into a time of prayer and reflection now. Uh, this is based on some words by Tamara Labak. Again, you might want to adjust your position to get comfortable. 
put yourself in a posture that feels prayerful somehow whatever works for you let's get into the right state of body and mind to be fully present here and now in this sacred time and space with ourselves each other and with that which is both within us and beyond spirit of life god of all love in whom we live and move and have our being as we turn our attention to the depths the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is we tune into your presence within us and amongst us we gather this day to be reminded of the sacred in the ordinary the holy moments of waking yet again to one more new day. The feel of the earth beneath our feet, the sun and the breeze on our skin. The joy of being welcomed by our fellow travellers. The warmth of this gathered community. Help us this day to be fully present in our living awake to each breath, attentive to the possibilities. Remind us that life is taking place in the in-between, the seasons of lethargy, disappointment, frustration, as well as in our lofty goals and peak experiences. Remind us that the detours and the details craft the path and make it our own. Help us to remember that we did not make this day, but that we have the pleasure to greet each moment as it unfolds, to reach out and embrace it wholeheartedly, as though it were an honoured guest who'd come a long way just to see us. In a moment of quietness now, let us each look back over the week just gone to take stock reflect on the many cares and concerns, those that hit close to home, but also all those circles of concern rippling outwards round the globe, enfolding all those many lives which ultimately touch our own. Let's take a little while to lift up these prayers of our hearts in a few moments of shared silence. And let us also take a moment to notice all the good that's happened in this past week. Moments of uplift and delight, beauty and pleasure, acts of generosity and kindness that we've witnessed. Despite everything, we can see that so many choose to act responsibly, to live for the common good. There's still a lot to be grateful for. So let's take a little while longer to sit quietly in prayer and give thanks. 
spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing. Our first hymn today is called Let's Give Thanks and Praise. And in a way, it's an extension of our prayers, an expression of gratitude for all that's good in our lives and something of an aspiration too, that we'll each do our bit to bring love and healing and liberation to all with whom we share this little planet. The words will be on your screen in a moment for you to sing along. Uh, we'll try and make sure you all stay muted. And if you don't fancy singing, that's fine. It's absolutely all right just to listen instead. This recording is made by the Unitarian Music Society. to share some thoughts uh, on boredom uh, and I wish I'd kept my mouth shut, uh, it was put on a list of things to do. And this uh, existed first in my brain, in my thoughts, and went round and round and round. And that in itself was boring actually. Uh, and then finally I wrote it down on the list. 
uh, of things to do and then uh, the deadline got closer and closer and so I thought what, what am I going to do you know and I thought maybe if I just spoke in a real monotone and didn't change my inflection you know that that, that might help but I that's not my natural style so anyway I, 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 I like definitions and so I started I looked at uh, some definitions and here are, here are a few so boredom is the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest and I could identify with that and another boredom is marked by an empty feeling as well as a sense of frustration with that emptiness when you are bored you may feel apathetic fatigued nervous or jittery and I could identify with that too and then I like this one this is the scientist one uh, boredom is a prevalent emotion with potential negative consequences. Some research has associated boredom with outcomes indicating both high and low levels of arousal and activation. So I thought I'll, I'll have a look at that a bit more and I read the abstract of this study and it was really boring. But as, and I thought about reading actually a couple of the paragraphs of the study, uh, but uh, I'll spare you that. But I did, uh, but interestingly, I did discover that bored people usually have a collapsed upper body, they lean their heads backwards, and they display low and expansive bodily movements, whatever they are. And so anyway, that was, that was enough of the science of boredom. And then I was talking to a few people about it. And, and then I asked my nine-year-old granddaughter what boredom meant to her. Quick as a flash and surrounded by books, art materials, musical instruments, and multiple electronic devices, she said, when there's nothing to do. Somehow I just completely identified with her response and it brought up a very clear memory of when I was around nine years old and I was home for the weekend from my boarding school. It was a Sunday afternoon and my parents were sitting dozing after a large roast lunch and I was probably thinking, well I, you know I was thinking about returning to school later that day when I would have to attend an evening service before going to my dormitory for what always seemed far too early lights out. Nothing seemed worth doing. And then at four o'clock, to make things worse, the radio would announce, sing something simple as cares go by. Sing something simple, just you and I. Now, I have rediscovered the joys of singing, but at the time, this radio program, which some of the older members of the congregation may remember, uh, it was the, the, the Mike Sam Singers, the longest con running continuous music program in the world, every Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. on the light program. It provided the perfect background to 
a sensation of intense boredom that I can almost taste to this day. So childhood, I think, was really where I really experienced boredom. And I was discussing this uh, being bored with an old friend, went out to walking recently and, and, and I spoke about this piece of music and, and she immediately, you know, remembered it and she also listened to it. But she said, but said for her, it always made her feel excited about going back to school the next day and all the new and familiar activities she would be participating in. So to return to my granddaughter's view on boredom, that it reflects a state of nothing to do, we talked a little more and we agreed that it was more of a state of nothing I want to do, even though choices of activity were available. I feel so grateful that I exist in a, in a, in a place and a time where not all my waking hours are consumed by meeting my, my basic needs, you know, food, clean water, shelter and security. So to even admit to feelings of boredom can be closely followed by guilt and self-criticism. Why not take action and fulfill the opportunities given to those who have time on their hands? Perhaps this reluctance is a state, is a state that philosophers have discussed and described. And here are a couple. Profound boredom drifting here and there in the abysses of our own existence like a muffling fog, removes all things and oneself, along with it, into a remarkable indifference. This reveals being as a whole. And another, for if life in the desire for which our essence and existence consists, possessed in itself a positive value and real con content, there would be no such thing as boredom. Mere existence would fulfill and satisfy us. And these, those words by, by Schopenhauer seem to me to provide an antidote to boredom by returning again and again to the present moment of existence. Sometimes, maybe often, it will be boring, but it can also provide a doorway to my spiritual life. Thanks, John. And I'm glad you suggested the topic, even if you're not. So uh, we're going to come to a time of meditation now. I've got a poem by Margaret Atwood, which will take us into a time of meditation. There'll be a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice on screen in case you'd like to focus on the flame. The silence will come to an end with a song performed by uh, Peter Crockford and Trevor Alexander. It's a lovely rendition of Being Boring, a song originally by the Pet Shop Boys. So let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable once again. Perhaps put your feet flat on the floor, help ground and steady yourself, maybe close your eyes. And as I always say, these words, this music, the images, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So a poem called Bored 
by Margaret Atwood to take us into our meditation now. All those times I was bored out of my mind, holding the log while he sawed it, holding the string while he measured boards, distances between things, or pounded stakes into the ground for rows and rows of lettuces and beets, which I then bored, weeded, or sat in the back of the car, or sat still in boats, sat, sat, while at the prow, stern, wheel, he drove, steered, paddled, it wasn't even boredom, it was looking, looking hard and up close at the small details. Myopia, the worn gunnels, the intricate twill of the seat cover, the acid crumbs of loam, the granular pink rock, its igneous veins, the sea fans of dry moss, the blackish and then the greying bristles on the back of his neck. Sometimes he would whistle, sometimes I would, the boring rhythm of doing things over and over, carrying the wood, drying the dishes, such minutiae. It's what the animals spend most of their time at, ferrying the sand grain by grain from their tunnels, shuffling the leaves in their burrows. He pointed such things out, and I would look at the walled texture of his square finger, dirt under the nail. Why do I remember it as sunnier all the time then, although it more often rained, and more birdsong? I could hardly wait to get the hell out of there to anywhere else. Perhaps, though, boredom is happier. It is for dogs or groundhogs. Now I wouldn't be bored. Now I would know too much. Now I would know.
mistletoes and invitations to teenage parties. Dressed in white, but said with quotations from someone's wife, a famous writer in the 1920s. When you're young, you find inspiration in anyone who's ever gone and opened up a closing door. She said we were never feeling bored, cause we were never being boring. We had too much time to find for ourselves, and we were never being boring. We dressed up and fought, then thought, make amends, and we were never holding back. from the station with a haversack and some trepidation. Someone said, if you're not careful, you'll have nothing left and nothing to care for in the 1970s. But I sat back and looking forward, my shoes were high and I had scored. I bolted through a closing door and I would never find myself feeling bored cause we were never being boring we had too much time to find for ourselves and we were never being boring we dressed up and fought then thought make amends and we were never holding back or worried that time would come to an end and we were always hoping that looking back you could always rely on a friend Now I sit with different faces in rented rooms and foreign places all the people I was kissing some are here and some are missing in the 1990s I never dreamt that I would get to be the creature that I always meant to be but I thought in spite of dreams You'll be sitting somewhere here with me Cause we were never being boring We had too much time to find for ourselves And we were never being boring We dressed up and fought, then thought make amends And we were never holding back Or worried that time would come to an end We were never being boring. We were never being bored.
being bald. I don't get bored. I've been this way since young. Quite content to stand in a queue, watch the rain, sit for hours on a train, take in the views. Content in my thoughts, caught up in my daydreams. Creative, but a bit of a daydreamer, my teacher would retort in my secondary report. Though in work life, this time for pause was not applauded. On the go, on the constant go was rewarded. Think on your feet, hit the ground running, get things done. Pause, refrained. Speed, rewarded, applauded. Boredom, prevented. Reflection on work and worth, replaced with another back-to-back -back meeting. In motherhood, to seek time of boredom and stillness, I would often give my son a gadget. Instant quiet from the wrestling mania, moaning, arguing, or just general loudness. What this means is my sons haven't experienced boredom. Their entertainment is always there, constant. YouTube doesn't switch off, and neither do they. For prep for this poem, I imposed a stop button. No gadgets until dinner, I declared. Responses of, why? Confusion replaced with anger. What am I supposed to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, my reply. Disdain progressed to complaints, pleading, leading to begging, pure boredom leading to, guess what, reading, of books on the shelf untouched for months, the moments and minutes of quiet, are pierced with shouts of excitement. I assume he sneaked a peek at a match on his screen, only to hear, yes! I found it. I found a word in my word search I couldn't see for weeks. The strain of boredom overcome by Rio's pure excitement in finding a missing word. Its power needs no electric. The page opening is its magic. Its power is instantly on by a simple page turning. Jam-packed with stories, mysteries and conundrums, always ready for Rio's next bout of boredom. Now I have a disclaimer. Rio would like me to share with you that he doesn't only read when he's bored. But I'm not so sure. Hi, I'm Liz Tuckwell and here's my mini reflection for the service today. When I first started thinking about boredom, the first thing that came to mind was the saying, may you live in interesting times. It sounds like a blessing, but really it's a curse. As a curse, it means that interesting times are usually full of turmoil and difficulty. And it conveys the somewhat disheartening reflection about human nature, that trouble and strife are always more interesting to us than order and calm. There are certainly far more books written about famine and war 
than about peace and plenty. This is commonly supposed to be an ancient Chinese curse. In fact, when I researched it on the internet, I found that it's modern and western. It travels to the British Diplomatic Corps from the 1830s to the 1930s. Senator Robert Kennedy used it in a speech in Cape Town in June 1966. He said, There is a Chinese curse which says, May you live in interesting times. Like it or not, we live in interesting times. They are times of danger and uncertainty, but they are also more open to the creative energy, energy of men than in any other time in history. He meant the 1960s were interesting because of all the fear that people had over what the future would hold. That certainly rings a bell with us today, because we too fear what the future holds. But I think he was also right about the creative energy. I also discovered an interesting speech by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, dated 31st of August 2017, and here's a part of that speech. There is an interesting Chinese curse which says, may you live in interesting times. We are living in interesting times. Sometimes I think the world has gone so crazy that the best account of it was that wonderful remark by Woody Allen. More than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, the other to total extinction. Let us pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. Well, that's how it seems sometimes. Or it seems like my favourite Jewish text of all time, which goes, Start worrying, details to follow. Because the truth is, we are living through one of the most profound revolutions in all of human history. It is a time of political, economic and social change, brought about by the invention of the internet. A revolution which is the greatest and most fateful since the invention of printing in the West in the 15th century. I sum it up in a single phrase, cultural climate change. We are worrying about our physical climate change. And that climate change just doesn't make things warmer. What it does is produce more extreme weather conditions, and so it is with cultural climate change. It's not just extreme heat, but sometimes it expresses itself in the cold and the wind and the rain. That was written in 2017, and now we have the global pandemic to contend with as well. So we're living in even more interesting times. After reading or watching about the pandemic, tragedies, politics, warmongering and so on, have you ever longed for simpler, less turbulent times? Think how difficult it is and frustrating to choose among the 20 varieties of coffees offered at the coffee shop or the 138 channels on digital TV. However, we can't turn the clock back. I want to end with words written by the editor of the American Pharmaceutical Review. He said his mother was fond of saying, boring is good when it came to real life. However, he preferred uninteresting. So perhaps being bored is not such a bad thing. Perhaps we could have a new blessing. May you live in uninteresting times. Thanks to Liz and Maria and to John for your reflections on being bored and what we might learn from it. There's a lot more in this topic than meets the eye. Anyway, one more chance to sing together now. 
a second hymn, When the Song of Life is Ringing. This speaks of the many changing moods of our lives, the highs and the lows, and it calls on us to trust in that which is constant and good, even through the rough and the boring times that we might endure on the way. Uh, this is a recording of our own congregation in Kensington a few years ago, so you might hear voices that you recognise popping out, you might hear rustling and coughing too, because we never knew we would listen to the recording again when we made it. As always, we'll try and make sure you're muted, so feel free to sing along with gusto or just listen as you'd rather. a few short announcements now uh, thank you to Karina for her first co-hosting out in today well done Karina and thanks to Janine for the huge amount of support work she's done behind the scenes with all of our zoom hosts thanks to Peter and Trevor for our music and again to John Liz and Maria for their contributions there are a number of other opportunities to connect with the congregation in the week ahead. As always, there's Coffee Morning on Zoom 10.30 on Tuesday where, you know, interesting things like this emerge. Uh, there's Heart and Soul tonight and Friday. Got a few spaces tonight still. This week on the theme of life and, it, you know, meaning of life, just a small topic. Uh, that's seven o'clock, a contemplative spiritual gathering 
be in touch with me. You can put something in the chat box if you want to sign up. Looking further ahead, save the date for a Green Spirit Lamas picnic, which is due to take place on Saturday the 31st of July. I think that's in Hyde Park. And there's a National Unitarian event coming up online in a few weeks that I want to alert you to. Uh, this will be over a week of evenings in late August. Up Close Summer School will be on Zoom this year. Uh, there'll be an opening ceremony led by yours truly on Saturday the 21st, and then a week of theme talks by prominent Unitarian thinkers, all exploring the question, why are we here? Discerning our Unitarian mission in an upturned world. Uh, during these events, we'll be considering the question of what is our church for anyway, ex examining how the landscape of doing church has changed, especially during the last year and a half, pondering how we can flex and adapt in turbulent times while remaining true to our religious roots and offering some constructive visions for Unitarianism in the challenging landscape of the 21st century. The details of this are in the weekly email. You need to sign up to the summer school mailing list, which basically means you will get one email in August with all the Zoom joining details on it. Um, it's one of my favourite things in every year, so I strongly encourage you to look in. Don't forget we'll have virtual coffee time after the service if you'd like to stick around for that. And uh, if you can bear it, we always like to take a group photo after the closing music. You're warned. We'll be back again on Zoom at 10 next week. Tell your friends, share the link and feel free to drop us a line during the week to get in touch if you'd like to say hello. And don't forget we've got the pastoral network if you just want someone who's a listening ear at any time. We've just got some brief closing words now followed by some more closing music from Peter and Trevor. So I invite you at this point to select gallery view once again, so that we can all see each other and get a sense of the community gathered here as we close. As we take our leave and face the week ahead, whatever it may bring, let us recall that there is finally only one thing required of us. That is to take life whole the sunlight and the shadows together, to live the life that is given to us with courage and humour and truth. We have such a little moment out of the vastness of time for all our wondering and wandering, living and loving. Therefore, let there be no half-heartedness or aimless drifting. Let the soul be ardent in its pain, its yearning, its praise. And may peace enfold our days as we meet the days to come. Amen. Smile, what's the use of crying? You